Welcome to the Chabad Around the World podcast. My name is Mandy Bressinger, and I'll be your host, taking you on an adventure every single week. Together, we'll fly out to remote places around the world to meet up with the Chabad emissaries, hear about their stories, their daily activities, and the inspiration that keeps them going on a daily basis. My long lost brother. <laughs> All right. Happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. It's seven twenty-nine. We're just letting on some more people onto our adventure for today. We're live on Facebook as well. We have our star guest. No, 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 star. Just a friend. Just friend. a friend passing through. <laughs> We're very excited, Rabbi Coltman. That you might be passing through, but after this interview, we might be coming. Uh, so come on down. Prepared. We got room at our table for everyone. Oh, we love that. We love hearing from Chabad around the world that we're invited. And uh, some people are taking it seriously. So be ready. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I wish I had my old job, Rabbi. I used to come by Columbus four times a year. What did you do, Richard? I, I, I used to sell truck parts, but now I'm selling hats in Canada now. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> But I used to come through Columbus all the time. You're always welcome. Next time I'm there, for sure. Okay, please, please. Uh, Richard, I want to give you a big hug. <laughs> there we go. All right, it's 7.30. Let's begin our next episode of Zooming Around the World. We are super excited. As you can see, we have a very exciting show for tonight. Just beginning here at our Chabad Zuchkitosh Mitzvah Society, Zooming Around the World series. We've been so long, so far we've been all over the world. Today, like I said two weeks ago, we're coming close to home. But I think like two weeks ago, we're going to hear tonight things which will blow us away. So if we're not going to an exotic place, we're visiting exotic people. That's, that's pretty much what it's all about. Right, Richard? So Richard's on the board, Rabbi Colton. Richard's the part well, of the board. Richard, you have a great rabbi. I am humbled to know your rabbi. L'chaim, l'chaim. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim. All righty. Hello to Lenore. Welcome. Welcome. Shalom Chana. And Norman's with us. Richard's dad is here. Erev Tom Chana. And Rachel's with us. And Vivian. And Marlene. And maybe Joshua over there. Uh-huh. Oh, look at that. And Paula and Davida and Liva. So nice to have you all here. We also uh, have uh, our friends and family on Facebook, and we're jumping right in. More people will be joining as we go, but we're going to start. It is 7.30. Let me put everyone on mute so that we have clarity. Of course, at the end, please go out with the rabbi's permission and uh, time permitting. Rabbi Kalman can take answers at the end. Tonight, we're very excited to land in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and we're going to hear all about uh, the rabbi there, the Chabad representative, one of them, uh, Rabbi Ari Kaltman, he's here with us. He's going to share with us his own story, his own journey, and talk to us also about his life there in Columbus and what goes on there. I happen to actually have been there. It was on, actually, I could call it my honeymoon. <laughs> my wife and my, Roma and I, we were in Rabbi Kaltman's Chabad house, actually in his house uh, for a week. Uh, just a few weeks after we got married, we were given the opportunity to go and help out uh, in, with the shluchas over there. It was actually, there was a Maccabee game going on, like a Maccabee uh, sports, sports team for, for college kids or teen kids. And uh, we were given the opportunity to set up a Chabad booth. And we stood there for a week, putting on filling and giving out rogalach, chocolate rogalach. Those were good. Still remember them till today. A rogalach from Columbus, unless they brought them from New York. Okay, I don't know. All right. But uh, without further ado, I have very warm memories of Rabbi Arya Kaltman. Uh, I know his son very well. We were roommates. Uh, and we have close ties with many members of his family. Uh, here we are introducing the Chabad, one of the Chabad representatives to Columbus, Ohio, Rabbi Arya Kaltman. Thank you so much for coming on to our show here tonight. Welcome aboard. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Your rabbi is such a kind, sweet, giving individual. When, when I look into his eyes, I see the rabbi's eyes. I see someone who's selfless, 
I see someone who cares about people. I see someone who, forget about the Ragalach, he's sweeter than Ragalach. Thank you, thank you, Rabbi Coleman. That's it for tonight. That was beautiful. I want to thank everyone for joining us here. We got the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now, <laughs> so Rabbi Arye, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let's get to know you. Uh, you sound a little bit foreign, if I may say so myself. You got some kind of accent. Tell us where you come from and uh, what was your upbringing like? Okay, I come from Melbourne, Australia. Now you're wondering, what is an Aussie boy doing in the middle of America, the heartland of America, the Midwest. Well, my wife is from Cincinnati, Ohio. My mother-in-law, God bless her, she convinced me that Columbus is halfway between Cincinnati and Melbourne, Australia. And when your mother-in-law, thank God, has 14 children, you never, ever argue. And uh, I'm here because, thank God, I represent the Rebbe, and um, we are here to make a difference. There are 27,000, thank God, 27,000 Jews in Columbus, Ohio. Only 5,000 are affiliated. That means my congregation is 22 thousand Jewish people. And our job is to make a difference. We care about everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your walk of life is, reform, conservative, orthodox, reconstructionist, any Jew that moves. And actually, it's not even limited to Jewish people. Our Rebbe taught us that someone else's physical problem is our spiritual problem, our mandate. And therefore, we run a lifetime. We have a friendship circle, which was the second in the world to begin in the year 2000, where big brothers and big sisters are buddies for children with special needs. The whole idea, the whole concept behind it is those Senator George Voinovich was a personal friend And he told me that his mother's favorite saying is something he sees in the work we do at Friendship Circle. Those that bring sunshine into the lives of others cannot but help enjoy it themselves. My friends, we're here to make a difference. We don't care who the individual is, what the individual looks like, what they're standing in life is, what they believe, where they've been, it's irrelevant. We care about people. And that's why we have Friendship Circle, thank God, blossoming. We have it for youth in in Columbus. We have it for college students in the Ohio State University. And we have Lifetown, which is a simulated village that helps children with special needs. We have Lifetown, which has literally 2,323 students from 25 school districts. Do you have any idea what we're talking about? It takes more effort. I don't know, Mamish, I I I, I can tell you for sure with full certainty, but planning a day at Lifetown is more difficult than planning the invasion at Normandy. My friends, we have to synchronize, we have to organize with the schools, which schools are coming, which lessons they have. We need 20 volunteers a day. Every single one of our, uh, it's a simulated village. We teach children in a safe space how they can make a mistake. Every single one of our kids that comes is on the spectrum, has a disability, and we're here to uplift them. We're here to give them hope. We're here for them to feel that they can and will succeed. My friends, we won't let anyone down. 
because we are students of the Rebbe. And the Rebbe teaches us that someone else's physical pain is our spiritual obligation. And um, this isn't official yet, but it's going to be official soon. We just purchased a $2.6 million Chabad house. And out of that Chabad house, we have the Kitchen of Life, which is teaching. Unfortunately, in, in Ohio, it's very sad. It's very tragic. Every 20, actually, every 34 hours, there is Nebach, Rachmona Lutzlan, a teenage suicide. We can't stand by. I've done too many funerals. It's too painful. It's too they. It's painful to bury a child. Every single suicide is avoidable, my friends. We are opening up. We purchased the building. We're opening up. We are very close with the school system. We have 1,300 volunteers at Lifetown. You know what that is? 1,300 volunteers, 20 volunteers a day. We take our army of kind, good people. Every single one of our 1,300 volunteers has had a check. We've checked them, and many of them are retired teachers. We take our wonderful volunteers. We empower them with an opportunity just two hours a day to make a difference. And that's lifetime. So literally, every single part of our community is being helped. And this is all because we are humbled to be part of the Rebbe's team. It's absolutely incredible and it's so inspiring that there's so much hope for the future of, of America that you're sharing with us, both the Jewish community and the, and the non-Jewish community, but you're there and that beautiful line that the physical needs of others are our spiritual needs and, uh, and you're there for them with such, such energy and a, and a smile I'm sure the whole city can't help but just be part of such a beautiful team. I want to show some of the some of your websites and some of the videos, but just before we get more of Lifetown and more of the activities there, we'd love to hear more about it. Uh, you're you're keep on telling us so much of how you're inspired by the Rebbe and you're so excited to be part of the Rebbe's team. Did you grow up in a Chabad home? Was this your well? Let me tell education? you. Okay, I'm an Aussie boy. I really shouldn't sound like this, mateys. Stone the crows and spew on the lizards. But I've been acclimated to America for many years. And um, I went my entire life from kindergarten to year 12. That's a long time. I matriculated at Yeshiva College, 92 Hotham Street. I uh, spent two years in Yeshiva Gedola. My entire life, I have been in a Chabad school. My father was a Holocaust survivor. My father was a very proud Jew. My father um, gives me the strength, the strength not to crumble in the face of adversity. And uh, my father was religious. He sent me to Chabad. And, um, and uh, my father had a business. He was, a, thank God, a successful businessman. And he really didn't want me to become a rabbi. I was supposed to take over the family business. The only time... Unfortunately, I uh, just didn't do what he told me to do. I always listened to my father. I love my dad very, very much. The only time I argued with him was I became a Chabad rabbi. And uh, Rav Nachum Zalmogorevich was in charge in Melbourne, Australia, for raising the funds to keep the, the doors of Yeshiva College open. And he used to come to my father and his factory, my dad, manufactured women's clothing and um there was uh, one of his helpers because he always had a helper he said that they always go to yossi kaltman's factory first in the day he told me because my dad put him in such a good mood he made much more money the rest of the day <laughs> so, so so my dad he didn't want me to be a schnorr very honestly and um i disappointed him i was supposed to be a businessman and i didn't do it you know, it's everything's divine providence. I'm not complaining. I feel very humbled to be part of the Rebbe's army. And we're, thank God, thank God, thank God, we're trying to make a difference. And um, I grew up 
um, in Yeshiva College. I graduated 1984. That's when I graduated. Um, I, I, I'm very thankful for my education. I'm thankful that um, this Chabad school was so loving and caring and gave us um, a true exposure to the Rebbe's um, directives, the Rebbe's non-judgmental love and embrace of all people from all walks of life. And um, I, what can I tell you? You know, I'm very thankful. Uh, Salman Serbransky um, was very kind to me. He used to teach me Tanya in the Chabadnitzer. Uh, his son Rabarol was also, whenever I go to Australia, he's, he passed away, but whenever I go, used to go, as soon as they put down the stamp on my passport, I knew, oh my God, Rabarol's coming after me to learn chassidus. So, so uh, Rabarol, he's so nice, so giving. And uh, I, I just, what can I say? I'm very, very thankful that... Um, I, I get to literally, you know, we bring down shluchim. We have four Chabad houses I'm responsible for. And um, I feel very humbled that an Aussie boy from Melbourne, Australia, transplanted 10,000 miles away, is trying to make a difference. And we're opening up a new Chabad house, which, which is amazing, you know. Incredible. What a beautiful story. And we have to give a lot of credit to your mother-in-law. So let's not forget. Yeah, yeah. God bless uh, my mother. She's a good lady. She's a holy lady. Very selfless, and um, and and I'm just thankful to be here tonight. Beautiful, beautiful. So we we got your uh, your past, and we we understand how you got to Columbus, uh, or uh, that's the midway between Cincinnati and, and Melbourne. We got that. Uh, so you come to Melbourne. You come, sorry, to Columbus. In which year? We came right after Shlichus. My dad said, "If you go to Kailal, I'm not going to support you." You're on your own. <laughs> and so I didn't really have a choice. I went um, 1991, Tovshin Nunalov, right after I got married. We went, came out immediately to Columbus to begin Shlichus. Every single day is an excitement. Every single day I wake up excited. And what was and, it you and, mentioned uh, coming to Columbus in 1991? Uh, you mentioned there's 27,000 Jews. I believe you said uh, only 5,000 are affiliated. What was the state of the Jewish uh, population at that time? Uh, and where did you see when you come, when you came in 1991, was your first step moving towards, you know, bringing that up, elevating the state of the Jewish population? Okay, so, so um, 1991, we come out. I'm a rabbi at Ohio State University. Quite honestly, I really didn't want to be a rabbi at Ohio State University. Ohio State University is a wild, crazy university. I mean, not now, not now, I'm gonna get me. I am very good friends with the president of Ohio State University, not now, it is an academic bastion of scholarship right now. But when I came, it was um, an exciting place. And instead of uh, mikvahs, they had hot tubs. Instead of wearing a tallis, they wore togas. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I had an exciting time. You know, one time I was walking down the main drag of uh, the Ohio State University. It's called High Street. I won't tell you why. And, no, it really is called High Street. And all of a sudden, two guys stum start bolting after me. Oh, I just got married. Do you have to kill me? Please don't kill me. <laughs> These two guys, they're huge. They look like uh, the Incredible Hulk on steroids. These guys, these chevra, I'm swimming in my cold sweat. I just got married. What do you want from me? I, I had to, my wife, God bless her, she made a, a scrumptious dinner and I was bringing it to a student's house and on high street, these chevra come running after me. What am I going to do? So, um they uh they come up to me they say you jewish i say rabbi say yo my name is jay and my name is dave and it's dangerous for you to be here we're two jewish boys from long island where you gotta go and i told them from that moment on 
I became the safest rabbi in the world. These guys were bouncers. I don't know if you're Hevra, they're very domesticated. <laughs> I don't know if you know what a bouncer is, but there are drinking institutions on high street. Every single one was, this is not Lushen it's a fact. There was a guy called Al DeSantis. He owned every single bar on high street. You know, um, <laughs> there was these guys, these Hevra, my boys, Dave Gardner, Jay Salsa, they, they were the bouncers of not Al's bar because every single bar on High Street was called, was owned by Al DeSantis. And they were the only bouncers from not Al's. So my boys, they came to Chabad House. They loved it. They loved it. Um, one day my car was, you know, it's not, there's a problem with parking at the Ohio State University. One day my car was, uh, was parked in. I couldn't get out. I had an important appointment. I said, Dave, Jay, you got to help me. They went outside. Rabbi, no problem. They lifted up the car and moved it. These Hevra, these guys were huge. They still are. These guys, these guys are so special. They, they taught me what it means to be a proud Jew. They had a problem. They had a serious problem. When they put on tefillin, the rutsua, the strap, didn't make it to their finger. They picked up the taira like no one else. My boys. They once asked me, they once asked me, hey, can you get us the ribby, the ribby keychains? I said, no problem. So I called up, there was a store, Drimmers, and they sent me out these keychains. I gave it to them. Friday night, they turn up at the Chabad house. They turn up in their uniform to be a bouncer. Jeans, black t-shirt, and a black leather jacket. They daven, they pray, they eat dinner, and then they got to go. Works work. They walk to not Al's bar on High Street. So uh, before they leave, I say, Dave, Jay, what happened to the keychain I gave you? So they pulled down their T-shirt, and there it is. They have the picture of the Rebbe on their heart. <laughs> they say, we want the Rebbe as close as possible. Next morning, Shabbos morning, I needed a minion. I am the only person in the world, so help me God who's allowed to wake them up. Next morning, I wake them up. Wakey, wakey. I'm the Vecca. I'm the Waker. And they lived on the, now it's no longer there. It used to be a gym called Power Gym on the corner of, I think it was 17 and high. They lived on the second floor. And wakey, wakey, Dave J, we got to go. We got to go. And uh, I need a minion, minion time. I said, how was it last night? So they said, Rabbi, it was amazing. I said, what happened? They said, well, everything was going great. One of the students got drunk. That's Shika, that's his job. You know, we, we got to restore law and order. So we walk over, and Jay tells me, the guy starts ripping, tugging on my leather jacket. Okay, no problem. He starts tearing my T-shirt. No worries. Out of the job. And then all of a sudden, he starts yanking my rubber keychain around my neck. I pick him up, and I say, don't mess with my rubber. And I throw him against the wall. So I, I anyway, this is all incredible stories from that's 31 years old so my i could go on that's that's fantastic that is fantastic and, and rabbi Coleman, we always love to to hear the the mitzvah stories and the ripple effect of a mitzvah and I, I think we got a beautiful story right there from just bringing dinner that your wife made for a student in need maybe needed you know was lonely maybe was sick and that that's a beautiful mitzvah and look the ripple effect you found yourself some bodyguards 
and the mitzvahs that followed from there, the, them having the rabbi by their heart, helping you with the minion, and I'm sure over the past 30 years, it just continued to grow. Yes, a beautiful, very much beautiful so. story. So you start off in Ohio, uh, uh, you know, the Ohio State University, and now you're in Columbus. What brought you to Columbus and what was your first step there? So, so in 1995, um, I became the head shliach of Columbus, Ohio. I brought down people within a year. You know, you know, the financial burden is tremendous. Within a year, I hired two people, paid their full salary, paid full programs, because I believe, this is what the Rebbe taught us, any problem you can fix with money isn't a problem. It's silly. It's just stupid money. That's all it is. So we got to make things happen. We've got thousands of Jews which are depending on us to make it happen. We'll make it happen. We bring down two shluchim the first year. You know, and I am, I'm a young guy, you know, 1995. I, I, you know, but you got to do what you got to do and you can't look back. 1996, we had three shluchim in Columbus, Ohio. And um, Baruch Hashem, like I say, we're opening up our fourth Chabad house. Beautiful. I want to show uh, everyone on I'll show the screen here uh, of a, a, a I, I'm just opening your website here to Lifetown Columbus. I hope this comes up clear, but you have a, 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 an amazing website here. Everyone can check it out on their own Lifetown Columbus. That's Jack Nicholas. Now, let me tell you something. Yes. To get Jack Nicholas is physically, you can't get him. He's the best golfer in the history of the world. He left the Memorial Tournament. He, you know what this is? He left the memorial tournament to speak for Lifetown. And I told him, I said, Jack, this is like the high priest leaving the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur. But he did it because he believes in what we do. Amazing. Amazing. If I Can I show that video? Would that be a good yeah, uh, intro? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Please do. Please do. Oh, it could be a little long. I don't know. Oh, wow. It is very long. <laughs> Maybe we'll watch a minute or two just to get a, a view of I mean, this is, town in action. This is the this is the legend. He you can't he is he doesn't do speaking engagements. It doesn't happen. You have to understand who Jack Nicholas is. He he did this because he feels so strongly, so so much about lifetime. Amazing, amazing. Actually, what we'll show first is just the twelve second video I noticed here is the one where you actually get a view, a tour, and maybe you can tell us more about sure, the sure. practical or just what, as you started telling us before, what Lifetown is really okay. all about. Here you have uh, just a 12-second tour. Okay, I have to give thank you to Rabbi Levi and Basi Shemtov because they are true chassidim, true lovers of the world. You see, if someone would have licensed this program, they would have charged... <laughs> real thousands of dollars to to take it and to license it to another place. Now, I did have to pay the PhD person who wrote the curriculum $30,000, but the Shemtovs in Detroit gave it literally at no charge whatsoever, which is amazing. We were on national TV. We we're on national TV uh, because during the pandemic, we refused to shut down. That's my buddy, Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones is Chabad. And he really uh, epitomizes what, what it's all about, that no one can be left behind. He was the third string, third string. He won the national championship. My buddy, Cardell, he comes to my house for Shabbos dinner. Cardell Jones loves the Rebbe. And when he was interviewed, he was interviewed with the Rebbe behind him. He's a close friend and he loves it that our kids are not left behind. You know why, my friends? Because a zip code should not determine a child's education. Cardell Jones, the third string, who wins the national championship. That's who he is, Cardell Jones. He believes passionately in what we do at Lifetown. Amazing, amazing. So you have all these connections with these very famous people. Uh, and we'll just take a minute to watch this video here from Jack Nicholas, And then we'll hear more about how it runs. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2021 Lifetown Luncheon. And please welcome to the stage NBC4 Sports Director, Jared Smalley. Hi. Where would you rather be than right here right now, huh? Thank you for being here. It is a pleasure to be back. It's the second year I've been able to emcee uh, this event on behalf of Lifetown. A year ago, I was sitting in an empty, uh, what essentially amounts to a storage room in the NBC4 studio, staring into a computer, uh, not sure literally if anybody heard me or saw me. This is way better. How are we going to do There we go. You got, you got the uh, NBC people, you got big people, and they're all rooting for your lifetime on an incredible Kiddush Hashem, really sanctifying God's name, making sure that no children are left behind. So... You mentioned that friendship circle, something that we here in Montreal uh, uh, all uh, are aware of. There's a very big friendship circle uh, ran by the Parises here, Rabbi and Mrs. Paris, uh, Paris, uh, that run the friendship circle here. How did that evolve uh, into the lifetown uh, that you have uh, today? When we see pain, we cannot stand by idly. We cannot allow for any human being to feel pain, anguish, suffering. We are here to make a difference. We look at this, this is not a job. You have to be crazy, <laughs> crazy, Mishuka, to do the work we do. We have a great team. We have in the office this positive, upbeat energy. Everyone in the office cares about what they're doing. We believe one person at a time, we can make a huge, profound difference. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, 13, so, you think about it, 1,300 volunteers, 20 volunteers a day. We have between 50 and 75 kids in Lifetown. And, and thank God, Mamish, I, who's who, whoever comes in, you can go up to any teacher. You can go up to any student and ask them about Lifetown. I don't have to pre-record. I don't have to prompt anyone. They just say, this place saves our lives. This place is a utopia, literally a utopia for teaching kids, our students, valuable life skills on their journey towards independence. That's what we're doing. Beautiful. And is this specifically for children with handicap? Well, yeah, on the spectrum, kids with autism, kids who are handicapped, children who are visually impaired, whatever it is. So We're take here. us on a day. Sorry? Oh, what a day. Okay. I, what does a day look like in, 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 in Lifetown? Oh, in Lifetown. Um, in Lifetown, it's from 10 to 12. I open up the doors. I want every single kid that walks by, every student, they have to get past me. <laughs> now, why? Why? I look painfully Jewish, but it's a good thing. I want them to know, even though many of our kids are inner city kids, I want them to know that we care. You know, my father survived seven concentration camps. And um, like I mentioned, my father's the Shomash have an Aliyah. My dad, uh, you know, anti-Semitism is something which um, my dad, when he put on tefillin every single day, this is for Buchenwald, this is for Sachsenhausen, this is for Seret. This uh, and he, in his brain, he thought of all the camps he was in. You know, our response to darkness is light. I want, I want our students to know, hey, that Jewish looking man, I look more Jewish than most people. I want our students to know that we care, that their problem is our problem. And, and it's just, it makes me happy when I see the kids come in, file in one by one by one. And the kids know me. So these kids are 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 from the schools around public the schools. public schools. Yeah. Public school and uh, public school kids. They're coming in at 10 a.m. And what what do they see? What's the what, so, what, what happens? So, so Lifetown is not a um it's not an excursion. They're very, very I make it very passionately clear. This is a destination. These kids, our kids, our students have been prepped in the classroom for two weeks in advance. They learn financial literacy. They get real money. They have bank accounts. They learn 
by by making mistakes, you can't lose your wallet. You can't waste all your money on on nash on 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 snacks. We teach them. At the end of the year, we have job interviews. We have the biggest human resources from companies, corporate uh, Fortune 500 companies. The guy in charge of or lady in charge of human resources interviews our kids. Our kid. We provide them with a role model. We give them. A resume, the higher the higher functioning students, we give them a tache case. We make them feel that there's a reason to wake up in the morning. That's what we're doing every single day. We're saving lives. We're giving a reason for our students to celebrate, no matter what level they are, no matter how much they understand. 30 years ago, our students would have been institutionalized. Today, today we are sending our kids to work. Today, our kids have a future tomorrow. And that's what we do. Amazing, amazing, incredible. This is not me, this is a team of people. My wife is amazing. My wife is really amazing. My wife puts it all together. You understand, this is like the, the attention to details. Is just um, is phenomenal. The attention to details. The um, you know you're talking about uh, buses coming late, uh, buses leaving. You're talking about making sure that every student has a lesson plan. That every student there there are, we have forty different lessons. We've developed new lessons uh, called Stop to Live. It was a nationally featured Associated Press. Many many articles about it. It's uh, kids with disabilities are two to four more times susceptible to addiction. We created a program. We don't say, you know, my dad taught me excuses are for losers. The word amasla, the Rebbe says, amasla is the Hebrew word for excuses, stands for emasloi. If you really mean it, when, when if you mean it, don't tell me an excuse. When the pandemic shut the door on everything, we could not stop. We didn't stop. Baruch Hashem, thank God for a second. We're on national TV. Uh, Nora O'Donnell, I don't even know. We're on national TV because they said, this is amazing. A kid called Kingston, his mother wrote, she's now my personal dear friend. My a child called Kingston, the mother said, my kid was robbed from Lifetown. He was counting the days backwards to come to Lifetown, and it's gone. It's canceled because of the epidemic. We said, Kingston can't come to Lifetown. We'll bring Lifetown to Kingston. We worked nonstop. We put together a program, Lifetown on the go, and CBS National picked it up because if you really care, don't tell me you tried your best. Don't tell me you could have, would have, should have. It's got got to make it happen. That's what it's all about. That's what the Rebbe teaches us. That's why when we wake up in the morning with the storm, Lebedic, there's people in pain. How can we possibly, possibly sleep? The Chabad rabbis I know, they don't go to sleep at night. They drop from exhaustion. Your holy rabbi, he, he, falls asleep, his pillow is Maimonides. He falls asleep finishing his three-chapter quota of Maimonides a day. This, this, I, I, he doesn't like when I talk about him all the time. Like, <laughs> I, I just like him. I can't help it. I love your rabbi. Thank you so much. So uh, you, you mentioned earlier uh, about how you, you're now moving into a, a, a beautiful uh, two-plus million-dollar Chabad. 2.6. Blood, sweat, and tears. I need every cent counted for. <laughs> Absolutely. Beyond my wildest dreams. And and you said, but you, you, a main focus there is going to be for something which is unfortunately so uh, so common today and something which really affects all of us in one way or another, but the, the, the rate of suicide and with our own, uh, amongst our own. Um, and you said there's a huge force, a, a huge team that you've created uh, together yeah, with this new Chabadas, did that come from Lifetown? Is that connected? Okay, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm a rabbi. I do funerals. It's too painful. It's achem vei. 
to do a funeral for a child, every suicide, you know, obviously, obviously in the, in the divine plan, when a person passes away, that's how long the soul was supposed to be in this world. But we have to try our best within the frameworks of nature to save lives. We have to. So um, what happened was, what happened was, um, there was an auction and they were selling letters of a person who passed away, his sister sold them, and it was letters in 1961, an individual in horrible pain wrote a letter from a mental hospital to the Rebbe, Rebbe, please help me, I tried to kill myself. And I bought these letters, and these letters, they're five letters, and these letters are transformational. And the Rebbe, doesn't, I don't want to speak about his personal problem. It's his business, Lashem Shavanaliyah. But the Rebbe takes this guy from the dumps, from, from horrible, painful agony. He wanted to end his life. And the Rebbe transforms his life. And the Rebbe breeds hope and purpose into his every fiber of his being. And these letters, Baruch Hashem, that I have, they really inspired what, what we do. Wow. wow. Is there a way to access these letters? Are these yeah, letters well, available? I spoke to someone. He wants to do a whole series on these letters because he says these letters are revolutionary. And I actually have, because his sister, she auctioned it off, I have the letters he wrote to the Rebbe of his problems. So when you see the Rebbe's letters, you don't know what was going on before. But when you see the Rebbe's response, how the Rebbe took time for a young boy and the Rebbe wrote two pages, one letter, another page, a letter, two letters. The Rebbe put his heart and soul into saving this life. And Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, he lived the full life. Wow. So, so, so you know, I feel um, a personal responsibility to try, you know, and I, I like, you know, I have Baruch Hashem, thank God, thank God. We have an incredible team of very creative thinkers. And um, this is very serious. You have to understand, Governor DeWine, one of my best friends. I love Governor DeWine. He is the only governor, the only governor in America who came to a Chabad house to light the menorah. He is the only governor in America that told universities under his state, within the uh, confines of Ohio, how to combat anti-Semitism. Governor DeWine is a great friend beautiful human being, and, and I feel very blessed to have him as the leader and someone who understands the Rebbe's message of, of humanity. You know, we're all made in the image of God. You know what it says in the Talmud? It's a Gemara, Mishnah, whatever. It says, why was Adam and Eve? Why was Adam and Eve? All of other animal kingdoms, they were created in groups. When it comes to Adam and Eve, there's one Adam, there's one Eve. Why? Why don't you make many? And the Talmud answers. No one should say that their Zayda, their Baba, their grandfather, their grandmother is superior to someone else. We are all descendants of Adam and Eve. If there is a human being in pain, I don't care what he believes. I don't care what his background is. We have a moral obligation to help them. And that's what Chabad is doing. Beautiful. Well, what a, what a way to uh, wrap things up over here, Rabbi Kaltman. What an inspiring, inspiring journey together with you and hearing all about the amazing activities going on, especially we focused in today on what you're accomplishing there with the the, the children in need, the children which are handicapped, and, and uh, there, there's such a hope and a future for them that you've created together with your amazing team uh, there in Columbus, Ohio, and there's a lot more coming, it sounds like. So, Atzlacha Rabba, I'm going to open up the, uh, the mics if anybody wants to uh, ask Rabbi Kaltman questions on the, on the uh, Zoom here, if you want to ask yourself, you can uh, unmute yourself or we'll go through the chat. Something that you, you actually mentioned uh, before Rabbi Kaltman was about the uh, combating anti-Semitism. And what an amazing thing to hear that the governor himself is, uh, has taken it on as his responsibility. So tell us, you know, usually we ask, we, we've been to, to Nigeria, we've been to uh, Curacao, we've been to Dubai, we've been to 
many different places, and that's a big question. And we always love hearing how anti-Semitism uh, for the people on the ground usually is not the, as big of a problem as what we think, what we hear from, from the distance. Uh, unfortunately, today, America, it could be probably another place where we have to ask the question, what do you feel like as a man on the ground in Columbus, Ohio, especially with the news coming from Buffalo uh, just a few weeks, days ago? What, um, what, what do you feel? How safe do you feel walking the streets? Okay, I feel very, very safe. You have to understand, my wife's grandfather was Rabbi Okalika. That was mental footafasas mechutim. So my wife's grandfather marched with Martin Luther King. This is before it was popular. This is before it was fashionable. And um, the Rebbe held my wife Zayda, Zaydi Okalika, in the highest regard. He was a real person. He had a real heart. He had a real soul. And... Um, I, I believe we fight darkness with light. I believe that our kids that go through it, you're talking about over 2,000 kids, you know, Baruch Hashem, thank God. You're talking about over 2,000 kids a year. So there, thank God there are many wonderful Jewish organizations. No Jewish organization in the state of Ohio even comes close to two thousand kids who come to their institution between four and six times a year when people speak about anti-semitism and they do this and they do that what are you doing for the community you know you want to say it's terrible you want to say it's painful yeah it is but roll up your sleeves and do something but everyone has a comment everyone has another uh, saying we believe in action put your boots on the ground now, I want to tell you something, my friends. You know, we built the, the Friedrich Rebbe, the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe, he writes in his letter. And this is, I've spoken, I'm very good friends with the Jim Tressel. He is the high priest of Ohio, the state of Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeye coach. Football is a religion in my city. He's my personal friend, very close with Jim Tressel. I'm personal friends with Urban Meyer. And Jim Tressel, he wrote a book. I'm quoted in the book because I used to take uh, lessons from the Rebbe and he would read it to the team. He would read it to my people, to my football stars. Urban Meyer, personal friend, spoke for us twice. I want to tell you something, my friends. In football, it's exactly what it says. The Friedrich Rebbe said it, but I don't know, like 80, 90 years ago, what did the Friedrich Rebbe say? A private is greater than a general. A general, he's in the in the in the war room. He's strategizing. He's working out plans. But you know what? It's the private who wins the war. It's the private who leap, plunge, and charges forward and scores the touchdown, my friends. That's what the Friedrich Rebbe says in different lashonis and different terminology. It's the linesman who win the game, not the fancy quarterback. It's the person who's prepared to be blowed and hit and, and, and rampaged. And the guy who keeps on standing, he's the guy who protects the team that wins the game. And that is the rep of soldiers. That is, my friends, you know, anti-Semitism. Everyone can wax poetic. Everyone can speak how terrible, and it is terrible. If you really want to stop it, roll up your sleeves and do something. Open up your doors to 20, over 2,000 students between four and six times a year. Don't give me speeches. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me. So that's what I... We got our mandate. We definitely got our mandate, and we're on it. We're not wasting any time. We have one of the questions here on the, on the chat. How old are these children? These 2,000 children coming through your we, doors. What we have between group? kindergarten and year 12. So it's, okay, there we go. With full the spectrum, we have, we, have, we have many uh, lesson series which we run simultaneously. And again, I want to plug Rabbi Levi and Basi Shemtov. God bless them. I can only do this because they shared it with me and they are creative geniuses. So uh, Rabbi, Rabbi and Mrs. Shemtov are the founders of the Friendship Circle. 
that started in yes. uh, Michigan, in, in Detroit, in uh, in in Detroit, and Friendship Circle here in Montreal is is a is a uh, a branch of that original uh, Friendship Circle. So that's uh, that's the Shemtovs in in Michigan. All righty, Rabbi Coleman, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. What an inspiring night! Definitely inspired me to roll my sleeves and we got we got work to do we got work to do we got more light to bring to the world and to hear that there's such a bright light in columbus ohio definitely empowers us here in montreal that we can do so much more and uh, mitzvah by mitzvah like you shared with us with your bounces uh, the ripple effect with one mitzvah one private we can win the war we can bring light to a, a world which is so full of darkness and pain and uh, one soul at a time Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm humbled to, uh, yes, to speak to you. Oh, so nice to see you too. Yeah. As regards to Yitzi. Okay, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> My old roommate. All righty, what an incredible night. Definitely, as Davida uh, writes, I think we can all echo a fantastic Zoom and leave a very inspiring and very funny as well. Rabbi Kaltman, you took the very funny one, that's for sure. And... Yeah, absolutely. Holy work going on over here and uh, so much nice things here on the chat. Thank you all for sharing. See you next week, please, God, at 7.30 Tuesday night. Uh, sorry if there was confusion today, but it's 7.30 Tuesday nights. That's the new time, the set time for the summer as we travel further around the world. Looking forward to next week, Rabbi Coleman. You're definitely welcome to join us every Tuesday night at 7.30. And we're so excited because we got a personal invitation from the uh, rabbi, chief rabbi, chief Chabad rabbi in no, Columbus. No, 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 I'm just hanging. I'm just a foot soldier, a private in the trenches. Oh, we can join you in the trenches there. We have, we have some room. Please, there. oh yeah, we got room for everybody. The more food Amazing. you eat, the less weight I put on. <laughs> there we go, another mandate. All righty, fantastic. Everyone have a wonderful night. All the very best, so nice to see you. Aslacha, Rabbi Kaltman. Okay, God bless. All the very best.